You are listening to the Sound and Faith Podcast, coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And our aim is to encourage the saints of our church, Faith Baptist Fellowship, to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Pastor Mike, uh, I noticed that uh, you went the plaid flannel today. I forgot all about the swag that we got. Yeah, and, and those of you watching on the video, um, you notice here, it's, it's maybe kind of hard to see on the video, I, I've got some Sound in Faith swag on. It's awesome. Yeah. And I, I have some, but I didn't bring it. All right. Well, that I way people can't accuse us of trying to be twins right uh, when we come together. But what we hope to do is uh, in the coming weeks here is make available, if you want, if you want a hoodie or something like that. The weather's perfect for it. With this awesome logo on it, with our awesome logo. Yes. Uh, again, thanks, Elijah. Um, but yeah, you'll be able to get that. And, and we're again, I hope people understand, we're not trying to like build a brand here uh, with our podcast. We're not We're not aiming to, you know, get some kind of book deal out of this. It's just fun. It's just fun. It's and, fun. And we're doing this again for Faith Baptist Fellowship, for our church. Um, yes. So, you know, that's that's what we're all about. But if you happen to want a hoodie or something like that to represent and people around town can be like, hey, what's that about? It's mm. like, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Faith Baptist Fellowship and uh, our pastors who do this podcast and, you know, get the word out about the gospel. That, mm. That's what we'd want awesome. you know, in all of this. Yep. Hey, we've got a, a nice light topic to talk about today. Uh, nothing controversial so at all. Uh, really easy, should be some softball questions here that we're going to get into, Pastor Mike. Um, so, yeah, politics. Woo. <laughs> Are we ready for this? I think so. Are we ready for this? Let me get a sip of coffee. All right. I know that was rude. <clears throat> Excuse me, I shouldn't have done that. But, um, hey, you know, it's important for us to talk about this. And it's important because... We are, <clears throat> boy, I shouldn't have done that, definitely. We are striving to be a church that teaches sound doctrine and encourages our members to live lives that adorn the gospel, and we're about to enter into, if we haven't already, a very contentious, a very heated, a very divisive election year. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> we, we've learned, we've, this isn't the first one, right? I mean, 2016 was was extremely divisive. Yeah. 2020, uh, we were there again. And here we are. And I, I don't mean just divisive in our society. It was divisive in American churches. I mean, yeah. both of those elections were divisive. And and so here we are again. And I think it's good for us as pastors to try to talk through this out loud so that people might um, glean a, a perspective that might be helpful for them as they enter into, and that's my goal, is to help us to have a biblical perspective as we, as Christians uh, who are also U.S. citizens mm -hmm. um, in a society that's facing another polarizing election cycle that that isn't meaningless. Yeah. I mean, these are real things. Right. And, and to be fair, politics have always been divisive to some degree. Yes. I mean, that's why you have different political parties, different convictions. Uh, but there are times when it seems to really heat up um, uh, you know, to a very, very hot level that that just brings a lot more, and it spills over into all these areas of life. 
It hasn't always been contentious in the local church, though. Yes, you know, true. Like, I think, I think this is a new thing. Maybe, maybe there have been other times where, but but right now it is very pronounced that this is one of the things that is a div- that is a dividing factor among American Christians. Yeah, yeah. And so this is helpful to talk about. That's that's why we went here. So, well, let's just jump right in. I mean, Pastor Mike, how should Christians view themselves then? In society in general, let's just kind of start with a foundation here in, in regard to their citizenship, uh, patriotism, love for their country, but at the same time, you know, th- remembering that we are also citizens of another country. Right. And I think that's how we do it. We, we, we're first of all citizens of heaven. Like that's, you know, we remember where our ultimate allegiance lies. Hmm. Uh, we are citizens of heaven. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think that ought to govern everything that comes after it. Uh, but then second, we are we are called to live in society, not be of the world, but in the world. And uh, and we're called actually uh, in, in several places in the Bible, it's indisputable, we're called to be good citizens. Yeah. Like the Bible calls on Christians not to be rebel rousers, but to be people who, um, who, um, who, who practice good citizenship. So Romans thirteen one says, "Let every person be subject to governing mm-hmm. authorities, for there is no authority." Here's here's this this helps us right the sovereignty of God and all this. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And I think that judgment also comes from God. It might come in the means of um, some earthly um, justice or yeah. some action there, but ultimately we stand guilty before God. And I, I think I think Christians need to take Romans 13, 1 and 2, 1 through 4 seriously. It's really important. Yeah, I, a, a kind of a parallel thought in that verse of, is given in First Peter chapter thirteen. Excuse me, chapter chapter two, verse thirteen. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Uh, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And, you know, in that, there's a tie again to God's sovereign will right, over these yeah. things, you know? So we we don't honor the king just for the king's sake. You know, yeah. we honor the king for the king of kings' sake, you know, because we because we know that God has instituted these things. Yeah, and in the time that was written, they were living in a very wicked society. Yes. I, the first place our minds go when we hear these things is, uh, yes, but our, our government is exceptionally whatever, you yeah. know, but it really isn't. Not if you consider Caesar, <laughs> yeah. you know, it wasn't, it, it was, it was uh, where active persecution of Christians was right on the horizon. Uh, from the government, you know, and these are the words from Peter. And then Titus says the same thing. I mean, Paul to Titus says, Rem- remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. You yeah. know, so we, we see it in many places in the Bible. That So we're called to be citizens of heaven, and part of that citizenship of heaven is to be good citizens here on earth. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's where patriotism comes in. I don't think they're equal. You know, I don't think we... We hold them up together, God and country. You know, we—they're mm-hmm. uh, not the same. You know, we, God, 
you know, God is overall right, yeah. and our supreme allegiance. And then and then we're called to live in society, and, and this is one way. I think we hinder the gospel when we don't get that right. Yeah, we, we, we have to keep that perspective. And, and that's why we could go to other places where it talks about us being, in a sense, exiles here on the earth. While we, we, we as believers, as citizens of another country, we are living here in this world right now. Um, I, I was thinking, I think it's in Proverbs 3, where it talks about it's, you know, do good uh, when it is in your power to do so. Mm. Uh, we could turn there, but just paraphrasing that, you know, when we have the opportunity to do those things which are good where we are in this world in which we've been called to live, it is our Father's world. We still right. live here. He's still sovereign over this world, but this is not the place of our ultimate hope. This right. is not the place of, of, our, of our, this is not our final destination that we're hoping in. Right. And, you know, I, I just I'll say this because people's minds will go right away here. You know, we're, we're not ever called to disobey God, you know, so... Um, when the government calls on us to disobey God, we, we, that's, right. when, that's yeah. when we disobey government. And we see that precedent in the scriptures. Uh, when, when we're called on to, to do things that dishonor God, um, well, God is our God and, and you know, we, we, we follow him. You know? So uh, in those circumstances, you know, the, we, the, the authorities that charge the disciples not to preach in Jesus' name anymore just stop. And they, you know, they they didn't yeah you know they, they ignored that right they ignored that but they but the same guy Peter you know writes be subject to governing authorities so yeah well when we think about the world that we're living in now it's important to remember that living in a wicked fallen politis, politically corrupt world is not a new thing for Christians no this isn't a new thing that we're experiencing right now it it might seem you know, like things are worse in one sense. We might seem uh, it might seem like we're we're experiencing a heightened um, pushback from our government or or poor decisions that they're making. Maybe you could argue that, but ultimately we are living in a wicked world, and Christians have lived in wicked world in a wicked world from the very beginning, the very foundations of the church. People don't get along. I mean, that, yeah. it's it's not in the heart of man to have peace. You yeah. know, because of our fallen nature, we don't love peace anymore. We love conflict, and and so we see that in this broken world. Nevertheless, governing bodies are given by God as a, as a part of his common grace to restrain evil, you know? And so we ought to thank God that we live in a society where we can call 911 and police will come yeah, yeah. and help, and, uh, and that we have laws, and that um, people who break those laws are, are prosecuted. Um, there are some really good things about our society that we ought to, I mean, especially America, we ought to really thank the Lord for the way that he has... Um, Worked here so that we have we have uh, such good government, you know, comparatively. Yeah. Well, let let let's poke let's poke the bear a little bit more here. Sure. Uh, you know, as we dig deeper into this, okay, let's bring it to our reality now. The world that we live in, the society that we live in, the United States of America, twenty twenty three, is Christianity Republican or Democrat or libertarian or non you know non affiliated what is christianity can we can we put a label on it not any of those labels yeah you, you know as i was walking up here i i told josh our our intern um that we were going to do a a podcast on politics and he said you know um are you going to use that old thing you know he's not uh it's it's not a it's not an elephant. It's not a donkey. It's a lamb. You know. I said no, but you know, now that he mentioned it, I have to put yeah. it in there because yeah, it's really yeah. good. But 
Uh, no, he hasn't any of those things. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, f- I forget the story, but um, who was it that that um, that met the Lord and said, "Are you are you for me or for my enemies?" And he says, "No, but I'm the Lord." You know? Yeah. Uh, I I think that's what governs this, right? Like, Jesus is not Republican. He's not Democrat. He's not any of those parties. He's Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Yeah. Now, now let me offer just a just a clarification here. By saying that, what we're not saying is that there are there are not morally admirable platforms of these political parties and morally reprehensible platforms of these political parties. That's right. That's right. And yeah. you know, as conservative, uh, you know, Christianity is by nature conservative, and so right. there's there's going to be a lot more resonance with some of the things that that are going to be on the conservative side of the political divide. Yeah, for sure. And some of those are just straight up moral issues, and and we would come down morally because of what the Bible teaches us. We we come down morally on that side of things. Uh, so that can be argued, but there's, you know, to to think that because somebody's Republican that they're Christian, uh, or to think that because somebody's Christian they're Republican, I think is naive. Um, it, there are plenty of godless Republicans, yes. you know, and there yeah. there are plenty of godless Democrats. There's, you know, um, so we uh, we're not Democrat, we're not Republican, and I, what I mean is. You know, individually we make those choices. I mean, right. I'm registered for one of the parties, but um, but as you know, it's not part of our identity as Christians. That's it, right there. Yeah, the identity. What, where, where? First and foremost is our identity, and our identity in Christ will then have implications in how we vote. Absolutely. Uh, and so, by saying you know Christianity is not Democrat or Republican, it is not putting a label on it to say this is the identity of Christianity. Uh, we are first and foremost people of God. We are first and foremost the Church. We are first and foremost people devoted to His Word. Uh, but but we that is not you know our identity is not our political party that we check the box on when we fill out our voter registration cards. You don't need Jesus to vote in a certain way. You right. don't need Jesus to vote Republican or Democrat. You need you need Jesus to live a life of godliness and live a, you know to have a new heart and all those things, you know. So it's not there's nothing particularly Christian about the Republican party. Like like that's or right. or the Democrat party, you know. It's um Christianity is outside of those things, above those things. And, you know, it's very interesting that we start to think about everything very um, ethnocentrically. Like, and I, what I don't mean is not, not, um, not so much I, nationalistically, I think is the right way to say yeah, it. You yeah. know, nationalistically, we start thinking of all of Christianity as what it looks like in the U.S., you know, right now. Uh, and it's so much bigger than that. We serve a global God, you know, and, and again, Jesus is the King of Kings. Right. You know, one big K King yeah. over Kings with a little K, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So. Well, these are all good things. And so digging a little bit deeper into this now, um, you know, you said this, this has become a very divisive issue in the church. Yes. This has become something that has... You know, in in years past, it yeah yeah maybe there were conversations about these things that went on, but especially since 2016, there have become very divisive positions even among Christians within the church, um, butting of heads that takes place. You know, and one of the things that I have greatly appreciated here at Faith coming four years ago was that politics has not entered the corporate conversation of what we are about here 
at faith. Um, I believe, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a quote here from Pastor Dana, uh, a number of years ago when it came up, the election, I think it was the 2020 election, someone said, are you going to say anything about the election? He said, sure. He said, I think you should vote. Hmm. And that was it. And, and okay, okay, so maybe there are people who want us to press in, who want us to maybe even go so far as to endorse a candidate or, um, you know, disparage another candidate and discourage people from voting for that candidate. Why don't we do that here at Faith? Yeah, we, we don't do that because we have bigger issues that we have to deal with on a Sunday morning, much mm. bigger. And I, I mean cosmically big, you know, like I, I, I don't want to— Eternally re- big. Yeah, eternally big. I don't want to reduce what we do on a Sunday morning to an election cycle that's going to be not even a footnote in the annals of human history yep. when everything is said and done. You know, I, I want to talk about the things that matter most, you know, and, and you know, like as far as how this all plays out, I, I, I'd i much rather shape the framework and the mindset and the worldview of a person with the gospel and with the Word of God than I would their political um, understanding, you, you know, because I think those frameworks will absolutely, I mean, one of the reasons why is because th- those frameworks will absolutely um, govern the way that they vote and all of those other things, you, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not the big reason I want to clarify that, but um, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about the heart. I want to talk about, you know, the, the gospel and, and how Christ transforms us. And I think that's what we need most. We don't need what you can get on whatever TV station you like the most. Whatever news station. Right. You you get that there, right? Um, If all we're getting on Sunday morning is what you can get on your TV, then we're not doing our job. Yeah. You know, like there's so much more, so many bigger things. And that's why on Sunday mornings we don't go there. You know, we... Uh, we, we want to talk about the, ma- the, the, the issues that matter most in the universe and yes. let those things have their trickle-down effect in every aspect, and including aspects like how we pay our taxes and aspects on how we vote and you know, all of those things. Like it, right. I think those frameworks shape us. I think it was um, Dr. Piper, uh, John Piper, in an interview not too long ago, was, you know, he was kind of being asked about some of these things and you know, how do we respond to the evils of the world that we see? And there's some overlap with politics in that. But one of the things that I said that I, that I really appreciated about what he gave in his answer was that I don't want people walking out of our churches on Sunday morning seething with anger at the world. Uh, when we come together, we are dealing with those eternal matters. We're dealing with those cosmically infinite matters of, of Christ and the gospel and so we find our unity as the people of God in that. We, we remember our own depravity. We remember God reaching down into the depths of our uh, despair and, and, and bringing us from death to life. And we remember the call to love our neighbors as ourselves and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So when we come together, you know, something like politics and divisive issues like that, that are not, I mean, like you said, just a, a footnote in the, in, the, in the tiny little book of history, we, we want people leaving with, with uh, an overwhelming sense of the glory and majesty of God and the beauty of the gospel, that they would take that to their neighbors mm. and, and not, not go home and feel disdain for their neighbor who might be flying uh, a flag that is opposed to what they believe in or flying a flag of a different candidate, but loving their neighbors such that they would be salt and light in, that, in the midst of a dark world that they would love them and share the gospel with them. 
That's what we want. We want to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God, and that is going to have implications in how we vote. Sure. It's going to impact how we, our worldview and how we think about these issues. It is. But that is not, we, we don't bring those things front and center when we come together as the people of God and when we gather on Sunday mornings. Well said. Well said. So let me ask you this. Are there political issues that we should talk about on Sundays? Um, it depends on what you mean, and, and here's my answer, and this is not a cop-out, so I'll define it. it. depends on what you mean by political issue, because I think there are clearly biblical moral issues that we should address that have become politicized. Uh, abortion would be one example right. of that. Abortion, yeah. gender identity, mm-hmm. marriage— these are things that are very clear in Scripture, and they've become politicized to the point where people now view them as political issues. But we speak about them a little differently, don't we? Like, I, I think even in those things, we speak about them as the moral issues that they are. Yes, you know, and, I agree. And, and, and that's what makes the... That's what marks the difference in how we, we handle those things, right? Right. I, I think that's the difference is that, you know... There, there, is, there is nowhere I can go in Scripture, okay, and, and I'm, I'm going to press into maybe a speci- give a specific example here. There's nowhere we can go in Scripture that says what a certain tax rate should be mm-hmm. on, you know, whatever, income or something like that. You, you can surmise wise and unwise ways of determining those things, perhaps, right. but I can't flip open the Bible to passages that say you know, there shall be a, a tax rate of 4.5% or 4.9%, or this is what the interest rate should be. This is what a nation's immigration policy should be. Those things have wise and unwise aspects that can be discussed and debated. But it does say, in the image of God, he created them male and female. Yes. It does say, you have formed me in my mother's womb. So well said, yeah. You know, it, there is just so clear. Um, it, there, there's just such clear truth in Scripture that speaks to those issues. Others can be discerned by by wisdom and, um, you know, thinking through issues well with yeah. biblical principles, but it doesn't say specifically what you should do. So we, we go to those issues that are specifically spelled out in Scripture that are clear moral biblical issues and we're not afraid to address those ever. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I want to add one, one thing to all of this. Um, like, if I made it my ambition that people would leave voting the way that I do, you know, if I made it if, 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 as a pastor, you know, if I, if I made it my ambition so that people would leave um, just voting the way I do on all issues and joining the party that I'm a part of and all of that, um, here's my big fear. Um, Many might go and do that and still end up in hell. Mm. Mm. And I would be derelict before the God of heaven. Yes. Because there are many, many, you know, I'm a conservative guy, and there are many, many conservative people who who do not love Jesus. Yeah. And who do not follow Christ. Right. Uh, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, if we're trying to convert people to our stances on every political issue— Every social issue, yes. um, they still might end up in hell, and and so I, I, my aim, my call as a minister of the gospel is to declare the gospel, is to proclaim the Amen. gospel, Amen. and so not good. not politics. 
Yeah. So we're entering another contentious political season in U.S. politics. We've talked about that a lot already. What advice would should we offer Christians who seek to be faithful uh, to the Lord and who seek to do well by their neighbors? Yeah, uh, my mind takes me uh, a verse that jumps out to me so often in this very contentious, very ugly yeah. time yeah. Uh, in, in our society uh, is First Peter three fifteen. Uh, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you to make a def- uh, excuse me who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, our disposition in all of this matters. How we speak, how we carry ourselves. Uh, you know, you could go to Ephesians 4 here. Um, was it 4, uh, 29? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for the building up, or for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. There's so many places we could go in Scripture that point us to a Christian demeanor in all of this. Mm. Uh, profane euphemisms, blatant profanity, um, Words of hatred, words of bitterness, words of disrespect, anger, disrespect, dishonor, all of those things are unbecoming a Christian in a, in, a, in a politically charged culture that we live in, in a divided culture. I can be very firm. I can be very clear on where I stand on some of these things, like on abortion, uh, on, on gender identity, on marriage, on these important biblical issues. And I can even be very firm on other issues that have been discerned by biblical wisdom. But I have to do that in a Christian way, yeah, that's so in good. a way that adorns the gospel. That's so good. I guess I would say almost the same thing. I'll just say it in different words. You know, I think it comes down to three things. I think it comes down to, um, you know, as you're entering this this season, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mm-hmm. mind, your soul, your strength. Pursue him with everything. Love the Lord your God. There's one you know, and let that govern a lot about the way that you go through this season. And then love your neighbor as yourself, you know, love your neighbor. And, you know, our neighbor (laughs) doesn't... Sorry. I didn't know you had that. Yeah, I do. I've got some new sound effects. No, but that's it. That's it. Both of those points right there. Yeah, And then the third. I have a third. The third. The third is uh, from uh, Psalm 146. Put not your trust in princes, Mm. in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. You know, don't put your heart, don't put your trust in princes. Yeah. Trust in the Lord. Like I, I had a, you know, a, I don't, I won't say which season this was, but um, a, a particular political candidate won an election, and a friend of mine from another state wrote me and said, um, "Woohoo, God is still sovereign." You know, in the morning, <laughs> that's what I got. You know, and. And I thought, and I, I just wrote back, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I, I think the Lord had his way in this, and, and it's good. But, um, but my, my hope is not in him. Yeah. My hope is not in, in, in that political candidate of this or, or whatever. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's it. That's like full stop, boom. And I can be under bad government with my heart and my faith intact, you, you know, yeah. and I can be under good government joyfully. Uh, and seeing that as God's common grace. You know, you've been around the world and seeing Christians in different contexts. I've had the privilege also in missions of doing that. 
kind of thing. You know, you've seen Christians before that are living under governments that are far more wicked than ours. Yes. Far more oppressive than ours. Christians who don't have civil rights in 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 hardly any areas. Yet there are still many rejoicing Christians mm. around the world who not only endure that suffering but pray for their wicked leaders. Yeah. And and it's such a testimony when we think about that. We've we've lived in a, in a very relatively peaceful golden era. Of, yes. of history in America, it, you know, even if that changes dramatically, the imperatives of Scripture and how we respond to that have not changed, mm. you know? That's so good. Yeah. I love that. Uh, you know, and th- those brothers and sisters in those contexts, they, they still wanted to be good citizens. Yeah. And they still viewed their ultimate citizenship as heaven, and they still viewed salvation not as just having a better government. Mm. You know, not salvation is not just having a government that goes the way that you think it should. Yeah, um, yeah. Salvation is, is is Christ. It's coming. Amen. Amen, brother. Where do we want to go from here? Maybe, maybe. Uh, do we have any further thoughts we want to pursue? Do we want to kind of uh, wrap this up and and you know, because because maybe we haven't said some things people wanted us to say. Maybe we've said too much. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. I, you know, we, we didn't set out to just please people with this. We wanted to try to give a perspective that's yeah. helpful. Uh, let me let me say this though. Um, Benjamin Franklin's when when talked about when I think it was him who when he was talking about the uh, a, a Republican democracy, like a, a a democratic republic. When he yeah. that's how to say it. Uh, he he said, I think it is the worst form of government except for all the others. Mm. <laughs> okay, so that was an interesting perspective because he, he, he still viewed, he, he, he viewed that form of government as a form of government that still had its flaws and whatever, Yeah. Um, but it did more to check the human heart and check sin and vice and, and those kind of things than any other form of government that was being tried. What is the very best form of government, Thomas? Yeah. I have an answer. I do want. too. Yeah. I do too. And uh, the very best form of government would be a monarchy. Amen. A a benevolent monarchy. So a monarchy where the king is good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's only one kingdom like that. And yeah. that's where our ultimate heart should be set on that one kingdom that will come one day in its fullness. You know, we, we love, we love our freedom in yes. America. Yes. And, and, and I value that too. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I'm I'm very thankful to be a citizen of this country, and I love this country, and I pray for it. I pray for its leaders. Um, yet there is an acknowledgement in the democratic republic republican form of government that we have. It acknowledges the fallenness of the human condition right. implicitly in most cases. You're you're aware that people are evil, and there has to be checks and balances right. for it to function. So it acknowledges that. But ultimately, what our hearts long for is a perfect king in a perfect kingdom who rolls with perfect justice. And it's not fiction, it's not fantasy, right. it's coming in its fullness. It's real. Yeah. It's real. So good. Um, love, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if your soul is ever weary, friends, uh, you know, just, just go read... <laughs> Go read Revelation chapter 21, mm. okay? And, you know, we, we can maybe have an episode later on sometime about different eschatological positions of the end times, but one thing we should all be able to agree upon, whether or not you're pre-mill, post-mill, a-mill, whatever, 
is when you get to Revelation chapter 21, this picture of the new heavens and the new earth should thrill your soul. Amen. You know, uh, the new heavens and the new earth, the old earth passing away, uh, dwelling with Christ, Christ dwelling with his bride, every tear wiped away. Uh, he's going to be seated on the throne, making all things new. You know, it's just, it, it should thrill our souls in the midst of this fallen, wicked world that, hey, there's a day coming, and we're going to have a king, a perfect king in a perfect kingdom who loves us perfectly, who will reign in righteousness. And, Amen. And just let that thrill your soul. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's, uh, we, have some, we have some listener questions. Shall yeah, we, go we there? do. Let's go to our listener questions today. Cue the music here. Bruce Watley asks one that's kind of complex, so let me just read this uh, in its entirety, and then we'll try to sum it up. So, Bruce Watley writes, Scripture tells us that if we fail to listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance, we can cause it to grieve, cause Him to grieve, the Spirit, uh, Ephesians 4.30. And if we continue to persist ignoring the prompts, the Holy Spirit will be quenched, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. So, from a ministry perspective, I've been reflecting on the question, if a believer walks away from following Christ can or will the Holy Spirit ever be reignited to convict them of their sin? Or is the Holy Spirit simply quenched forever in that person? How can we as a congregation minister to someone in this situation who's desperately in need of a heart transplant, removing the heart of stone and giving a new heart of flesh? Mm. Want to make a stab at that? Yeah, you take a stab at it. All right, my my stab would be this. I I think there's two sides to that. One is there is a great warning for us not to walk away from Christ, and we should fear that because I think there's some... Uh, I, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, they're, they're, um, the Holy Spirit does sometimes withdraw, you know, um, and, um, and and so for me as a Christian, I don't I, I want to take that warning, those warnings in the Scripture seriously, and 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 not walk away, you know, not walk away. But I think on the other side of that, we should never give up hope and act like we're we can divinely see uh, this thing, you yeah. know, and and what's happening uh, in this person's life. We should always pray for them and always hope that they would. Uh, turn and follow Christ. And as ministers, we should minister to them, urging them to follow Jesus and to turn back to him. I, I do think we can we can hold firm to the doctrine that those who are truly in Christ, those who are truly converted, will persevere yes. to the end. Yes, uh, Where things can get, you know, from our perspective, uh, where they can be unclear is that we can't see the heart. We right. don't know uh, if someone has been truly converted or, or in, in is maybe in a season of of rebellion, and, and the Lord is going to correct that brother or sister and bring them back into fellowship with the saints, or if they were never truly converted in the first place. Yeah, so First John, he gives us, he, he, he makes it really clear, doesn't he? He says, yeah. they went out from us because they were not of us. Right. And so so that question, is, you know, there there is true perseverance. Every Christian, every true believer will persevere to the end by the grace of God and by the means that he provides through his Spirit. Yeah. Um, but I should, I should fear walking away from Jesus, right? I should fear that because lest I be one of these that was not of uh, of, of the yeah, church, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I should, when I see a, somebody walk away, I should urge them to turn back to Christ. I, I hope that answers your question, Bruce. It's a good question. Yeah, he asked this here, how can we, we as a congregation minister to someone in this situation who is desperately in need of a heart transplant? You know, I think from the perspective of the church, uh, when we see a brother or sister in sin, go to that brother. Uh, follow the steps of of, uh, of of church discipline that we we might have laid out. Matthew eighteen, Matthew eighteen, Titus three. Yeah, um, love them, but but ultimately continue to minister the gospel to that person yes. because if they are truly a Christian, 
uh, you know, the Spirit will work to bring that that gospel to effect again in their lives and bring them back into fellowship or cause them to repent of whatever sin they're in. But also, if they're not a Christian, if they haven't truly been converted uh, and have maybe just kind of been playing games for a while, you know, the, hopefully our hope is that the gospel will do that work. Uh, you know, the Spirit by the with the gospel message will do that work in their hearts and, and bring them uh, to Christ and, and and do a heart transplant surgery. Yeah, it. so we don't make divine pronouncements. No, you know this person's beyond repentance or something like that. We we, we don't know those things. Yeah. you know those are higher things than than we can know. We want to win them with the gospel. Yeah. So good question, Bruce. Thank yeah, you. thanks, Bruce. Uh, Susie Jones asked this question: Why do we use the ESV Bible? Uh, how important is it that we use the same translation as the church? Is there any Bible translation that you would not recommend? So three uh, questions. Yeah. Maybe we'll take them one at a time. Why do we use DSV? Well, it's because that's the best translation that Paul and Peter used. I wow. Mean, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Even though it was <laughs> published in 2001. You know, I grew up in a church that, and, and it, please understand that I'm not knocking the King James by saying this, but I grew up in a church. I, I think it's a lovely translation. Yeah. I, 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 again, it's been a faithfully uh, a faithful translation that's been used for centuries. Using the, best, the using the best manuscripts of the day yeah. back in the, the 17th century. When they when they when they were translating it, yeah. I but I I did grow up in a, in a church that taught that if you didn't use the King James, uh, you couldn't be saved. Mm. I mean, it was it was that strict. It was King James only, um, and, and and so to, yeah, it's not knocking that as a translation. But but why do we use the ESV Bible here? And I, I'll give you my 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 thoughts with that. One, it was what we used when we got here. But as far as I understand. Um, it is a, a what they call an essentially literal translation. So you have other translations out there like the New American Standard Bible, which is a much more literal translation. And literal isn't necessarily always better in terms of readability. And so the ESV uh, kind of kind of rounds things out in 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 some ways that make it flow better in the English language translation. Less wooden. Yeah, less wooden. I mean, I mean, translation is not just oh, here's what this word's mean word word means. Let me write it down, uh, you know. And so the ESV is a is a very readable but very faithful translation yeah. to the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic text. So, so I mean, the big reason is it's a reliable translation. It sounds very good in English. It's not a perfect translation. There, there are things I've yeah. written the I back when the committee was still active. I was writing the committee on some things I thought they should translate differently. But I love it. I've loved it ever since I switched to it from the NASB, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I used before. And before that, the New King James, and before that, the King James. That was my progression. So yeah. um, I, I think all of those are decent translations. Uh, how important is it that we use the same translation as the church? Uh, I think people are free to use different translations for sure. But, we, you know, we, we there needs to be a translation that we read from that we're all reading the same one. Like sometimes... I do family devotions, and somebody has a different translation, and they're you know they're trying to follow along, and that becomes difficult. So we use the same translation so that we, you know, this is the translation we use, the ESV, and I say I think it's going to be the one that we use for for years to come. It's a very good translation. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, in our corporate worship, very important. Yeah. Are there any uh, Bible translations that you would not recommend? Sure, there are several that I would not <laughs> recommend. Um, there are a lot of ones that I would call pseudo translations. They're not really translations. They're um, really far away, like the Passion Translation. I think you should stay away from that. Um, but in general, I think the the closer they are to the faithfulness of the text, uh, the more I would recommend them. You know, there's probably varying degrees I would recommend different translations, but 
Um, ESV is a good one. The NASB is, is a great translation. New King James. NIV is not terrible. Uh, I, it's not yeah. my favorite, but I read it every week when I'm preparing. You know, it's one of the translations I read. It's uh, it's It's been a, a, a good translation in the church, as it were. I still love the New American Standard I do Bible. Too. I still yeah. use that oftentimes for study. Anytime I'm doing sermon prep, I'll often read uh, how, it, how it reads in the New American Standard. Uh, love that. Uh, you know, we could, we could go on and on here. Yeah. This would be a, a rather long topic. We want to wrap it up here. Um, it is important, though, I think, to a certain extent. There, you know, like I, I've had people ask me about the New Living Translation before. Um, I think it's good maybe to, to have that as a, something you read from here and there or maybe get a sense sure. of a text in there. It is a lot more interpretive in yeah. how it translates the passage. I think you should treat those translations differently. Like, yeah. You, you know, the NLT, the um, message, which is even further. Um, I think those are helpful interpretive tools that yes, you, can, you yeah. can read to get, you know, but they make a lot of judgments that they might not be right. You know, so there's... Yeah. So you got to yeah. be you got you got to be careful out there. You uh, you know uh, we could probably delve into this another time uh, sure. and, and go a little bit further, but yeah, it's been a great episode today, Mike. Yeah, we talked about some fun stuff. Yes, some fun, simple, easygoing things. You know, it just that encouragement again that we give at the beginning of every podcast. We want our folks to hold fast to sound doctrine, to Amen. believe sound doctrine, to live lives that adorn the gospel. And so I'll just wrap it up with this. As we enter into this very contentious, ugly election year, which has started already, live lives that adorn the gospel. Amen. Yeah. You've been listening to Sound of Faith Podcast. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday.